welcome to Streams of Progress, where we bring you weekly conversations with many of the UAE's prominent leaders and thinkers. Each of our guests are actively contributing to the vitality of the UAE community and economy. Our goal in the podcast is to inspire you to drive progress in your professional and personal life. Hi, everyone. This is Matt. And today on Streams of Progress, I am joined by Tatiana Antonelli Abella, who is the founder and CEO of Gumbuk. During the discussion, Tatiana shared her startup journey with us, from humble beginnings as a simple database for green companies in the Middle East, to now being recognized as a thought leader and key voice of the sustainability agenda for the region. So join us as we dive into the conversation. So I'm sitting here with Tatiana Antonelli, who is the founder and managing director of Gombok. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Yeah, great. Thank you for being here with us. So um, before we launch into talking about all the great initiatives that you're currently doing, I want to explore you know, how this all started. How did Gombok come to be and you know, what was the vision and your development process through that? Um, in, I would say we launched officially in 2010. Uh, the license was November 2009. Okay. Uh, the idea, I think, started in 2008. Um, from most of it was a need to show what was happening in the UAE and in the Middle East, the need of sustainability and green products and services, even though people were thinking it was just a trend coming from the States or from Europe, just something fashionable, you know, going green. Everything is green, yeah. Exactly. Green labeling, everything. Everything, and a lot of greenwashing as well. Right. Uh, but here, I think there was really a need, and the thing that triggered it, I would say, was first of all, from a personal point of view, I was a bit fed up of all the plastic I had in the house, and I really didn't know what to do with it, mm-hmm. uh, how to recycle, and I didn't understand how all these buildings didn't have shoots um, uh, that would allow you to separate uh, your, your waste. Uh, for recycling. For recycling, or why you wouldn't have in the neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. the different recycling points. Sure. And the idea came to put online a green directory. Uh, Things that are really actually popular in Australia, in the States, in Europe, you have these directories that help you source products. And it can be B2B, B2C. We decided to do it both, (laughs) B2C and B2B. And um, the companies were actually very excited. We Mm. had, after three months that we had launched, already a 1,000 companies listed. Wow. The problem How was, long did it take for you to develop that list of companies? Um, I would say six months. Six months to get a thousand companies to sign up. Yes. Okay. Uh, so after the launch, after three months, we already had 1,000, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing. But mm. the problem is we didn't have visitors. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the challenge was to make people aware of the fact that they could find these companies and they were not only in Europe or in the States, they were actually in the Middle East and in the UAE. Local, yes. And for these companies, it was actually a big effort to invest, mm. to come here and say, we're going to start a green business. Mm. And so we thought we, we could become really um, a support mm-hmm. to, to the green economy. It's a supply chain development tool, right? So Absolutely. they can go there, access the directory, and find a relevant supplier in their industry Absolutely. that's certified as green. Yes. Based on their business processes and, and everything they have for their sourcing. Exactly. So each category, each industry will have their own certifications. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, our claim was we, we are not a certification, but a cert, we cannot certify that this okay. product is just um, 
showcase of the companies. Okay. Then, of course, you need to do your due diligence. We were too small. We're just two business partners. We mm. didn't have, you know, that kind of um, power. Mm-hmm. And knowledge as well, because maybe I can know something about green building, but I'm not going to be able to help you with uh, certifications for water, for chemicals. Um, you don't have the technical expertise for that, so exactly. you rely on the certi- certifying body. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what we had to do at that point was to create the interest. The main issue was how can we generate interest for people to come to the website. And we, at that point, there was the crisis, as I said. So it was somehow easier to approach, for example, malls and big groups and ask for in-kind, you know, uh, sponsorship. And we started doing somehow networking events, uh, small exhibitions, first um, with the support of TCOM in Knowledge Village. They gave us all the conference area for free, which was amazing. And so the first, we called it the Future Green Exhibition. We had already 30 different companies who could showcase their products and services. And that was what actually worked. People could come, ask questions, they see the see products. It. Exactly. Exactly. Meet the, 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 the founder of the company or, or ask definitely questions, which was the most important thing. Um, the year later, we actually got Imar on board and they gave us the whole atrium in Dubai Marina Mall. Wow. And it happened for three years in a row. Then, of course, the market picked up again, no more crisis, and I think the value of those spaces grew a lot, and there were many more people ready to pay for it. So, somehow, there was no more the uh, possibility, but also no more need. I think there was already a trend going on in the UAE. You had organic markets, uh, more networking possibilities, and uh, all related to the green economy. So, I think we had done our job from that point of view. And now the current usage of the green directory that you have, is it high traffic and a lot of turnover in terms of access to that information? Well, actually, we had a, big, a bit of an issue, so it's not always roses. And sure. <laughs> uh, we had a hacker who came into the directory and uh, broke it down. So we've lost all the data. That, no. Yes. Um, at that point, the good thing is we were really into community um, efforts and um, activities and we had just launched a give a gaff tree planting program and I think it it didn't matter really too much we understood that we had done what we could with the green directory but to be able to actually approach the community and make them discover the local environment was actually an amazing opportunity Uh, Even for young Emiratis, if you tell them about the GAF tree, the fact that it's a UAE national tree and has so many benefits, uh, they don't know. And a very rich history and heritage here. Absolutely. It's part of the culture of, of, of being able to survive in the desert. Without this tree, they would have not been able to. Uh, it provides food to the animals, but also to humans. You know, they make uh, salads, they stuff chickens, but they also make medicine. So you are able to cure scorpion bites, snake bites, uh, making um, paste with the tree. You can also boil the leaves and make some uh, water that we cure dysenteria. And, and it's fascinating that this tree actually has been chopped <laughs> in the past 20 years. I would say half of the population has been chopped to build the new UAE. Sure, sure. 
So what we're talking about now is the Give a Gaff program that yes. you have. That's right. So tell our you know listeners a little bit about that. How did that get started, and and what can they do? How can they get involved? Absolutely. So when I came to Dubai and we started, you know, visiting the surrounding and the seven Emirates, uh, we were always amazed by this tree we could find in the middle of the desert, always lush and green, and alone sometimes. And we wonder how can can that happen? So doing some more research, we found out that actually it's a wonderful tree. They call it, uh, uh, in biology, an island of fertility, a hot spot. It uh, has roots that go down sometimes 40 meters just to find humidity. But it also has other two, I would say, breathing systems. One is the trunk that expands at night like a lung and absorbs all the humidity. And then in the morning, it really closes down <laughs> Uh, to avoid evaporation, and then the leaves. The leaves are also capturing the moist in the morning. So the tree is a... I didn't know that. That's quite an amazing tree. It's an amazing tree. It's yeah. a survival machine, you mm -hmm. know. Um, it's full of life. Birds depend on it. Insects depend on it. Uh, the reason it's called hotspot in biology, it's because it will provide the survival to at least 30 different species which is amazing. And we are, I mean, as humans, we are included in it, um, thinking about the life that was here uh, 100 years ago. Um, the tree is a mimosa tree, just to give an idea of the kind of tree. It comes from the mimosa family. It has yellow flowers. Some uh, Bedouins used to make honey with the tree. So really, it's part of the local heritage at, from many, many points of views. Uh, but again, there was no awareness about it. Uh, no awareness about the fact that the desert is a very important ecosystem that not only has a gap tree, but another four or five hundred different species that survive in the desert. Um, the fact that Dubai and the UAE host a lot of expats that come here for a couple of years, there's never that feeling of being here, you know, and care for the environment. Many people will think, well, it's just sand, you know, it's an empty desert. It's just the desert. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I, I used to think the same. I didn't have any knowledge about the desert, but actually it's an incredible ecosystem. We call it now the living desert. Um, and so talking about the tree, we're actually able to tackle different sustainability topics. The first one, of course, is um, water. We have to think about our surroundings when we are here, and our cities are very lush. We have so many beautiful tropical trees and flowers and palm trees, but somehow we don't realize the water footprint of this greenery. Uh, just to give uh, an example, gaff trees use only two liters a day to survive. Uh, a palm tree would need at least 100 liters a day. So in a, a magnitude of difference. It's huge. Yes. And if you think at the quantities of palm trees we have here, um, and we live in a desert, the water is desalinated and the impact of this desalination is huge. Uh, we, we consume a lot, we burn a lot of oil, we throw back the water that has been treated back in the sea, so it has an impact on the ecosystem of the, of the, of the ocean. So just uh, the being able to approach children or adults that come planting trees but telling them about all this and then ending up with, you know, it affects also the marine environment. <laughs> it's interesting. It's a full impact, full cycle Full impact. cycle impact. Um, and then, of course, people uh, feel more attached to the UAE, connected. To plant a tree really helps you connect to the local environment. So 
So how do people get involved? How do they go out and plant a tree with you? So we have different programs. The, the basic is you can come online on the website. We created all our initiatives have a dedicated website. So in this case, it's the giveagaf.ae. You come in and you can uh, buy online your tree. Okay. One, five, a hundred, as many as you want. How um, much does one gaff tree cost? So it's $10 per tree. And for that, we actually plant the seed first. So it's the whole process. We just don't buy a tree and plant it for you. We will actually grow it from the seed. Because again, the, the gaff tree is a wild tree. So it was not really available in shops or in uh, nurseries. So the, the aim of the campaign was to grow gaff trees and give them back to the community. So you pay for it, we grow it on your behalf, and then it will be planted in partnership with government entities, natural uh, parks, even schools, farmers, anyone who need, needs trees and greenery, we will give the trees to them on your behalf. And how many trees have you been able to plant over the years? I would say Approximately. It's we hard. are over maybe 40,000 seeds. Wow, okay. And we've planted maybe almost 10,000 trees already. Okay. Which is amazing. A huge impact. Yes. And that's since when? Which When did you start Give a Gaff? 2011. 11, okay. Yeah. So about six, seven years. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's quite quite an accomplishment, I think. We're, we're very, very proud of this uh, program. And we are able, you know, to approach children, adults, schools, uh, corporations. Sometimes they just come, for example, for a team building exercise. They come very serious <laughs> and they don't expect much, but actually they come out very excited and they've put their hands in the soil and they've planted. It's also, I think, very good for your spirit mm. to be connected again to nature and understand mm -hmm. that um, you can do something here. So when you go on the website, you can buy a tree, but you can also go and actually plant the seed as well with your team. Uh, so if you're an individual and you buy it online, then we will have once or twice a year community planting okay. where all the people who bought the seed online can come and plant their own seed. If they don't come, we'll plant it on their behalf. But otherwise, we have... Um, as I said, a relationship with corporates and, and companies who come with groups. And at that point... Part of their CSR initiatives absolutely. for their company. Absolutely. Yeah. CSR, or sometimes it's just really, as I said, team building exercise. We have schools coming, but now we're talking about thousands of, of seeds being planted. So the impact is even bigger. We have a partnership with uh, Greenworks in Albarari. So we rent a space where we're able to do all the awareness um, and keep the seedlings for two years that are being taken care of. So sometimes people ask us, where does the money go? You know? And for six years, this money has always gone only to the trees and to the maintenance and to the watering and to paying for our license. Um, we've been working for six years as volunteers. <laughs> we never had a salary. No salary. Wow. Salary. There was never enough. Okay. Um, I was very lucky to work with very motivated and passionate women yeah, who seriously. volunteered and worked hard with me. Mm. Um, but it was very rewarding, so we were very happy. But the issue with the volunteers is that somehow, um, after a while, they leave Dubai, they have to go away, mm. or because of the load of work that uh, they have, there's a moment where the family says, you know, you're taking time off, the family, the children. There's a pressure about having an income, which is totally understandable and reasonable. 
and that's where I realized that Gumbo could not, you know, continue on just volunteering. And uh, last year in January, I mean this year actually, um, in January 2017, I decided that I would um, transform Gumbuk into a social enterprise. Um, but I, and define that for our listeners. What does a social enterprise mean as versus a not-for-profit? How is it different? So a not-for-profit, first of all, is um, you are you are able to get money through donations, but you need to be a charity and a registered charity. In the UAE, it's very complicated. So in the UAE, when you want to do something related to the environment or you want to do good socially, you have different um, possibilities. The first one would be to be a charity. At that point, you need to be registered officially. You need um, a local sponsor, and it's very re regulated. Um, but you are then uh, obliged to do one thing, the thing that you said you would like to do, mm. your mission. A and specific mission. Exactly, a specific mission. In our case, I liked to be able to every year have a new campaign, change the mission. Uh, when you talk about sustainability, it can be so many different things that for me it was really hard to define it. And then I didn't want to start the whole process of raising money. And I under, I, from the way I have been working the past six years, I had already very good relationships with big companies who were ready to sponsor or pay for the service, and I thought that would give us more freedom sure. to be able to flexibility. And worldwide, social enterprises are actually recognized officially only in the States and in the UK. Otherwise, from a legal framework point of view, it's very complicated. But somehow, the definition would be that you are an enterprise, but you keep your profits within the company, you reinvest them to grow your campaigns, your initiatives, to hire more people, but you don't put the profits at the end of the year into your pocket. And the mission of the company, I think, has to have a pro-social cause. Exactly. Right? Everything you do, community. exactly, yeah. it's to give back to the community. Uh, but the way you want. There's, you know, there's, you're an enterprise, so you act as a, as a business where you are looking at what can work this year <laughs> to make some money and pay for our salaries. Right. And so in January, that's we, what, what, what I did. I gave myself a salary finally. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you earned it. <laughs> yes. And uh, I hired um, two people. And I, it was the best investment I could ever do. Because on, on your own, it's really hard to work. And of course, you can be good at something. But you need you know, other people to support you in what they're good at. And um, I needed business development. I needed communication. I needed, I needed a plan. So as a team, it was amazing to understand and discover teamwork. I just want to understand, from 2009 mm. until January 2017, you operated as a... We were registered as a company, as a company. but we were calling ourselves um, a not-for-profit. A not-for-profit. Yes. Okay. But that could not work right. because, as I said, we... That business model or that model was We couldn't raise money yes. because we're not registered as a charity. Sure. And, and now you have a full business model that you're implementing and, and a plan for going forward. Is that exactly. right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And so what's coming down the pipeline? What's next? What are you excited about? So at the moment, we are very excited about Drop It. So this is the campaign we launched in May 2016. 
And we are going back basically to the roots, which is water and plastic. Um, I think right now, worldwide, there is finally more consciousness about the way we use plastic. But even a year and a half ago, uh, people would still consume plastic without realizing how much waste we are producing on a daily basis. We don't even think about it. We don't think about it. We don't see it until the moment it clicks into our mind. That's where you get actually afraid of. Um, and this happened to me. So just by thinking about my plastic bottle water, I got upset and I realized how much we were drinking from plastic bottles, not only at home, but in the office, in the gym, in school. In the UAE, there's been this culture of not drinking tap water that has led to drink only bottled water. And very few brands are actually in glass. So when I started researching that, I saw the effect on our health. So not only on, in the environment, but the plastic does release chemicals and toxins that we drink on a daily basis. And we, we give it to our babies since the moment they're born. Sure. Uh, so scientifically, there's been research and evidence of the effect on our health, on the illnesses we can get, um, hormone disruption, infertility, cancer... It's quite depressing to, to see the gap between people doing it and not having the information, and on the other side, the mass production of this plastic. Uh, another thing that people don't realize in the UAE is that what they drink, the local waters, they are all tap water. It's just been filtered additionally and bottled. Another thing people don't know and don't realize is that this water cost, for example, in Dubai, a liter of water, tap water, is 0.01 fills, dirhams. Per bottle. Per, per, per liter. Per liter, wow. But if I have to buy a liter of water, the cheapest one I can find could be maybe one dirham. So we're already talking about 1,000 times Percent the price. Profit. yeah. Exactly. Wow. Um, where does that money go? It goes into producing the bottle, uh, producing the cap, the label, the transportation, the logistics, the storage. What comes to us is exactly the same water that is in our tap. But they would say they're providing that additional filtration exactly. and the benefit there, right? Um, the government spends a fortune to give us perfectly drink drinkable water. The issue can be from the pipings. That's nobody has any guarantee about maintenance of the tanks, the pipings, materials used in it, in them. So that's why what we suggest is that if you, and you're right not to trust any, any time uh, the water you're going to drink on a daily basis. So first thing is to actually test your water. You have lots of labs here that for 250 dirhams can test your water and tell you your issue is that there's rust. <laughs> Or your issues that actually it's dirty, there's some sand and some particles. Or actually there is a lot of chlorine and, and other chemicals. So depending on what's in your water, then you can choose a filter. You can choose a basic carbon filter or you go for the strongest RO that will remove everything. But still, installing a filter and drinking tap water, first of all, environmentally, will be a huge impact. All the plastic you don't send anymore to the landfill. 
but um, you just spend a little bit on a filter and usually our calculations are in less than a year you already make back your money okay so the payback period versus buying all the bottled water versus the filter is less than a year it's less than a year you're saying yeah Okay. So, again, you're saving money, you're saving the environment, and you are drinking great water. And you don't have to, you know, organize the delivery of these waters or yourself go to the supermarket all the time and carry all these heavy bottles. Um, even in, in offices, you have those big gallons. Again, there is a big issue with bacteria. Those gallons are changed continuously. Nobody cleans that point of contact. The machine. The machine. Mm. And so we've done some lab tests, and the bacteria count sometimes reaches 6,000 when it should be maximum 300. Um, but people don't see these aspects. They see the convenience of the bottle. So through Drop It, we decided to do the whole awareness, tackling all these points of views. First, the environment. People need to understand that in the UAE, so far only 20% of the bottles are being recycled. Uh, second, your health, what you're drinking. Uh, those gallons, for example, are transported in trucks for hours during the day, and, and the plastic expands. Temperature in those trucks can reach 60 degrees. It's really, really bad. Uh, the bacteria problem. And then, of course, uh, there's a whole aspect that can be interesting also for companies, and that's how we started working with them. The, the fact that you can actually save CO2. You reduce your CO2 emissions by removing plastic from your offices. So at the beginning, we realized that it was really hard to go to the individuals. Uh, if I come to you and I say, you know, you should stop drinking, you're not going to listen to me. I'm going to be like, oh, the save the world person, it's she's so boring. It's difficult to change your habits, right? <laughs> Very difficult. But in the UAE, you have companies that have so much power into communication um, that we thought, why don't we go to them? I mean, we know them. They're planting trees with us. Why don't we ask them to actually be the, 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 the ones who are going to deliver the message? If you have a big company with 500 employees or 1,000 employees that suddenly says, we have taken the decision to remove plastic from the office for these three reasons, because we care about your health, we don't want to waste any more plastic, and we want to save money. Uh, Goombook is going to come in, do the whole awareness to our employees. They're going to put us in touch with the best suppliers in the market. It's a no-brainer. And usually the problem will always be, you know, procurement, the financial department. Uh, actually, they love us. <laughs> as soon as we come, it's like, oh, my, we save all this money. And even for companies, the ROE is, again, a year. Less than a year, they make back their investment. And you've seen specific success? You have Absolutely. case studies? Absolutely. We have of, yeah. case studies. And we have case studies of small companies with five employees mm. and case studies with 500 employees. And what about something like a hotel? They could just stop you know, selling bottled water entirely or having bottled water inside the room. Yeah, they could. Actually, one hotel actually has it already. Really? So yes. there's no bottled water inside no. the rooms? It is bottled, okay. but it is in glass. Okay. And it's bottled internally. They bottle their own tap water. At the hotel? <laughs> At the hotel. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's totally feasible. And if you think about it... It's actually done already. It's been done for years in the Maldives. All those wonderful five-star hotels that are the, the epitome of luxury, they're giving you filtered tap water. 
that it's done there on That's that on there. that island. Yes, yeah. on that island. They just put a beautiful glass bottle with their beautiful logo, and you're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody ever questions it. <clears throat> so why should we question it here? You know. And so we're very, very excited. So the first year has been a huge success. We're able also to measure the CO2 emissions reduction, which for companies who nowadays want to showcase, you know, um, how they are promoting and supporting the sustainability development goals, the first thing you say, okay, climate action, I reduce my CO2 emissions. Um, so this, it's really, it's a no-brainer. And now it's been so successful that we're about to launch the same program for schools, but through the children. So we're not going to go to school and tell them, do this, do that. We're going to ask the children to take ownership of the campaign and become ambassadors because... Yes, we can make a change as adults, but these children can totally change everything. Right, and, and then they'll tell their parents, their and then par they'll start a, mo a movement. A movement, um, and that's what we want to do. We want to empower them, give them the information, do the training, and then they choose. They can say, I want to do it uh, in my neighborhood. I want to do it in the development I live in. I want to do it in my school. But it's them who are going to go and talk, not us as adults and people who are there campaigning. It's the child who is going to translate the information we gave and put it into his own words. Um, make it their own. Make it their own. And, and, and this is what we're very, very excited about. How does the business model work for you in this? Because you told me earlier that now you are a social enterprise. Yes. How does this make profit for you as a company? Okay, so it doesn't. <laughs> That's not a very good business plan. <laughs> no, but I have to say everything I've done since the beginning never made sense business-wise. Uh, it made it later. So um, sometimes, specifically all these initiatives that are new and there's, there's no KPIs and you, you don't know what you're going into, but you really feel deeply inside it's right to do it, you just do it, you know? What are you going to lose? Sure. Nothing. You've done something that you believe in that can make it a difference. And then I think we were very lucky because we met companies that have the same mindset and the same values. So they actually sponsor us and say, yeah, this is great. We want you to do it. So can we help? So <laughs> what we hope is that they're going to see the value into all this uh, education and awareness for the youth. And somehow they will come in and on board and say, okay, how can we support you to, to make this bigger and better? So this is what we, we hope will happen. But definitely, uh, I, am, I am not following any business sense. I'm not a business woman. Um, I just try to make it work. Make an impact as well. Yes. In everything that you do. Yes. Mm. Okay. Yes, but it's, uh, I'm lucky because I have also people in the team who are able to, you know, put me back on track. Get you focused. <laughs> Make me focus yeah. because otherwise I would have launched already 20 campaigns. <laughs> so yeah. I need, I need um, someone to direction and to direct support, me yeah. and, and um, keep me excited, but, you know, convince me that we can do it next year. Sure. Yes. Sure. So let's talk about that. You know, just thinking about everything we spoke about so far mm. here in this discussion, we started with how Gombok started as basically a filtration idea for the yes. water based on the crisis that was you know, going on previously. And then you move from there to the Green Directory 
then you launch Givagaf and now drop it. How do you decide you know, what's next and where to focus your time and energy and you pivot from one project to another? Uh, um, I think it's just driven by, by passion in that moment. So when, when I was convinced we, we should have promoted the technology to filter the water in the UAE, yeah. in, in my mind, it, there was no reason not to do it. Yeah. There was a technology available. We need water in this country, and we're wasting a lot of water. So to find this technology and filter it and have something that's considered use, use, useless that you're going to throw to make it something actually... Um, very useful and a resource no it's a no-brainer so this is when I launched Gumbog for me the fact that we could provide a list of companies that would help you be more sustainable I didn't see why not why not you see a need yes. and then you go I, and meet it I try and meet it yes so for the for the gaff tree it was also somehow a need I had uh, coming from Europe I am very very much linked to nature and I'm used to see it on a daily basis. A forest, you know, forest, green. greenery, water. And the fact that I couldn't do this here, um, somehow I needed to go back home. I felt, you know, homesick. But when I found out about being able to, you know, be in the desert and love the desert and actually see all the trees and, and being able to plant trees, <laughs> that was something I, I found amazing. And I, I thought, nobody can tell me this is not going to be beautiful um, so I, we went for it without any knowledge I never studied biology nothing it was just a try and error try and error and I think this is what I learned all these years not to be upset about the failures and if something doesn't work just try to find a way around it and learn from it so for example the trees at the beginning we, we didn't know how to grow them nobody had done it before so some, sometimes we were very upset at all the mortality rate of the seeds we planted we, we didn't understand why we're not, they were not growing or maybe the seedling would come out and after two months would die very upsetting but then of course you have to go in the desert talk to the Bedouins and go to the university talk to the biology professors and the more information you get and then now we're able to say we have a 70% success rate in our, in our seeds but it took us time you know to understand that um, but we want to share this as well which I think is really important uh, another thing I noticed Goombook is at the beginning everybody wanted to be you know, the best, I'm the only one. Partnership was so hard. When we launched in 2010, nobody would partner. Everybody would keep their own information for themselves. Now we reach a point where actually partnerships are really valued. And I think this is what also has helped us. We've always looked for partners. We believe that if you find uh, companies, organizations with the same mindset or sharing the same values and you help each other, you're so much more powerful. Um, so I think that's incredibly important and valuable piece of advice for our, all the you know the listeners because as you said people like to operate in their own zone and maintain control yes. and ownership over all their data over all their contacts you know their supply chain their business opportunities but you're saying 
that really the opportunity is greater when you work together. Absolutely. It's just a matter of sitting down and saying, okay, let's make sure we don't step on each, one, on each other's foot. What do you want? What do we want? Let's do something that will, you know, help the two of us. Um, and it, it really works, especially in such a small market in the UAE. Did well, you ever have competition? Was there another company or social enterprise um, focused on this area that was no. a competition for Gombok? No, not for them. There are social enterprises, but they're not into environmental uh, issues. Not in the same way that no. you are. There is, of course, the WWF, which is a, an international NGO. Yeah. Uh, but we work a lot with them. You partner with them? Yes. You don't compete? We don't compete because somehow they are they have to follow their own internal regulations, their own programs. They are a lot into research. They have so many funds we don't have access to. But if they say, for example, let's rethink plastic, they help us actually because then we are able to offer our initiative, our, our campaigns. And if I, if I decide to stay away from them, I would kick myself in, in the foot, you know. So, no, no. Um, I, re I strongly believe in, 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 uh, in partnerships. What is it like to do business in Dubai, to work with local government entities and, you know, other local companies and local leaders? How is that? Um, I think they, they have... They're very enlightened. They are illuminated, how you would say uh, in French. Um, they have a vision... They act very fast. Coming from Italy, where it takes years to to do to move uh, something, and you, bureaucracy, bureaucracy mindset. You come here, and when people understand the value, it's it's happening tomorrow. Mm. Um, there's also been a change, I think, in the government. Years ago, you could not approach, for example, the Ministry of Environment and have a meeting, and you know, explain, I would love to do this. Let's work together. But suddenly, a couple of years ago, there's been a complete change. And now they actually proactively seek for partnerships. So they're very accessible. They're very accessible. They, they want to know what you're doing, how they can support, how, what you can do for them. So somehow they discovered also that working together is, is, is very positive. And, um, and somehow we're very small, if you think about it, we're a small social enterprise, but we are very lucky. We work directly with the Ministry of Environment, with the Ministry of Economy. We, we work very well with Dubai Chamber. We've always been welcome. We never felt we were too small. They always saw in us our, our passion and, and our aim and our values, and that was enough to work with us. Which is amazing. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Same thing with big, big companies and big groups. Um, last year, for example, we've been invited by the Crown Prince uh, office in Abu Dhabi to be their partners for the moral education um, uh, program. Somehow, they've done some research in all the schools in the UAE. They realized that um, the children didn't have uh, the right values uh, instilled in them. And they uh, put together a program that now is mandatory for all UAE schools, private, public, any nationality. They have to basically comply to this curriculum where you need to make children aware of social issues, environmental issues, how to be... Uh, even such a simple thing as being polite 
and say good morning every morning, uh, but also how it can have an impact socially. Mm. How to be a good citizen. Exactly, how to be a good citizen. Um, and they've chosen different partners for the different uh, topics, and we've been chosen for the environmental one. And basically they invited all the schools in the UAE to plant gaff trees with us. So the, the Crown Prince office actually paid for the trees, and then the schools came to us to pick up the trees. It was incredible. And at the launch of the event, which was with 1,300 school principals, we were there distributing 1,300 trees, one to each school principal, uh, which was incredible. We, we had all these... <laughs> Um, principals coming to us saying, oh, thank you for the gaff trees, can we have more? And, and from there, the whole um, dialogue starts. Can you come to the school, do the awareness? A field Some, trip with the students, maybe, exactly, something like that. Exactly. So just, you know, and who would have ever thought we would get the email from the Crown Prince office in Abu Dhabi? Um, this is to show how much they actually are looking into the community in, in the UAE and see how I can work with them. Mm -hmm. So Gumbuk is the name of your organization. Tell me how you developed that name. Where did it come from? It's an interesting question. Uh, when we launched Gumbuk, we it was always everything about sustainability and going green, but we didn't want... Uh, the eco word or the green word because it would actually put people off thinking again this this trend and we wanted to choose something local and looking into the way of life of the UAE and, and the region I did more research on the Bedouins and the way they were living and I found out that the, the group of people traveling the desert was called the Goum. Now, in Arabic, of course, there's another pronunciation, home. But for them, it means tribe, family. It would be, for example, a, a family starting their caravan and then other people joining. But the values will always be to live together in a sustainable way, sharing resources, water, food. Um, and they were able to, you know, live in such a harsh climate. Living sustainably, it's, it's wonderful. So I wanted to reconnect to that cultural and heritage aspect of living in the desert in a sustainable way as a tribe, as a family, sharing, which is something we've completely lost mm. as a value. It was community-based. Community-based. And of course, it's a name that nobody understands. Mm -hmm. So the first question I get is what it is. <laughs> and I can explain, and at least I hope the story will then stay with them. Yeah, it connects the local culture, the history with the mission of exactly. what you're all about. Of course, we added the book because being a directory at the beginning, it was more of open the directory, the book, you know, the agenda and look for, for what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. okay. So it stayed book, even if now it's more into, you know, uh, practical initiatives, but still open the book and, and search, read, sure. learn. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So how do you stay motivated through all of this? You know, there's so much work to be done. And uh, you spoke a little bit about your team. How do you maintain the passion? Um, I think the reason I also chose this kind of work and being able to change and do different campaigns is also because I have a character where I need change. <laughs> and that keeps me motivated. If I had to do the same thing on and on, um, I, would, I would not be able to keep the passion and, and the interest. 
So the fact that we can, you know, change, and and if there's something difficult, we can uh, modify it. And but also, I think what motivates me is to have people who are with me on a daily basis and have the same mindset, and we get excited together about the project. If I was on my own, <laughs> it wouldn't work. How large is the team now? How many people do you have? So we have, uh, we are four employees and we have three volunteers. Full-time volunteers. Uh, part-time, uh, but, uh, but full-time in the sense that they are, they are committed to projects. And uh, the idea is that if we are able to bring enough income, those projects will become then payable and they will get a salary. So this is another thing we, 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 we understood is even if we don't have the financial capability at the beginning, let's do it anyway with volunteering effort to see if it can work. Because if you start from the beginning, no, we don't have the money, we cannot do it, you never do it. So we, we do it anyway. You're bootstrapping until you can get there. Yes. Right? And then that's how you start taking the first contacts and you see if it can work. And then it does work. So, so far, it's, that's how we've done it. This wouldn't be the Dubai podcast if I didn't ask you about 2020 and what's going to happen with the expo and your view on that. And uh, I think the theme is sustainability. Is that right? Yes, sustainability so, is one of the three pillars. Okay, so of, it fits uh, in perfectly with Gombuk. And it does. Uh, we're very excited about it. I think it's been a major drive for all the changes that have been happening in Dubai related to sustainability. Uh, all the big organizations and uh, even companies um, have started looking at how they could, you know, align themselves uh, to to the vision of uh, Dubai Expo. Also, because uh, the important thing of this expo is it's that they're already thinking about the after expo, which rarely happened before. There was always the expo, but then when the expo is done, you dismantle and it's done. Instead, here there is the legacy. They really want the impact to continue. So whatever is being built has to stay and will need to have you know, a reason to be there. A future use. A future use. A purpose. Yeah. And it will have to be done the right way. And it's the most sustainable way for 2020, showcasing all the new technologies, how the future can be. Um, so definitely it's been a huge drive. In our case, uh, we are really looking forward to work with them, for example, in planting gaff trees all in all their boundaries uh, or, or hopefully have all the expo plastic bottle free yeah <laughs> we we have lots of hopes for Dubai Expo um, <laughs> so lots of gaff trees and no plastic bottles exactly. that, that's your vision for Expo 2020 at this point I'd like to uh, I'd like to move to some rapid fire questions for you yes if that's okay okay all right so I think you're familiar with the huge billboard on Sheikh Zayed Road Yes. It's like one kilometer long, right? Yes. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> if you could have that billboard for one month for free, mm. and you can put any message there that all of the residents of Dubai would see, what message would you put there? Well, actually, I'm very happy you asked me this question because it's been years I want to install in Dubai these billboards that, that uh, filter the air and produce drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what I would do, I would make that billboard um, a huge filter 
to be able to drink the... That's the possible. You can make the billboard into a filter. Yes. And actually, you have uh, these billboards that uh, have um, refill stations at the bottom. So uh -huh. you go at the bottom of the billboard and you have a fountain and you can get your drinking water. Wow. Okay. And it comes from... Yeah. So my message would, would be... Re come refill come drink water. your yeah. reusable bottle. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and drink uh, water from the air, which is, is very sustainable. Wow, fantastic. Okay. What book do you give most often as a gift? I have to say, I, I, I've never given the same book. So the same way I, I'm very passionate on new things, I'm always into a new book. So I would give you the latest book I've read. And what is that? Um, so the last one I read was more of a love story. So I gave it to all my, my girlfriends. But a book I really liked when I came to Dubai that helped me also understand a bit more the mentality and, 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 and the, the culture was Girls of Riyadh which is the story of these young girls growing up in Riyadh and the way they actually survive uh, in there. And, and there's a lot of connection with Dubai. And so when people were asking me, oh, you live in Dubai, and we, I came here 12 years ago, and it was really like, what do you do there? Do you all go dressed up, you know, in, in covered? And they didn't understand the difference with, for example, Saudi. That book was perfect, was easy to read, lots of insights about what is Saudi and what is actually Dubai and why Saudi people come to Dubai. Um, and the dream of, 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 of a free city such as Dubai. So that was an interesting book. Another book that I received that was very interesting from Richard Branson was um, uh, Screw It, Let's Do It. And uh, that book actually uh, really, really pushed me to do Goombook and became a bit my own message uh, to refer to what you were asking me before, you know. Um, why do you do things? And, and are you sure you're able? Is it feasible financially? And even if the answers are all no, <laughs> you shouldn't do it. It's not feasible. My, my answer would be screw it, let's do it. Just like, go for it. And just go for it. Yeah. Did you say you, re you received it personally from Richard Branson? You met him? or No, I wish. No, <laughs> <Okay>. no, no. <laughs> Hi, Richard. <laughs> no, no. I received it as a gift from um, uh, a business uh, man here in, um, in uh, Dubai. And when he saw me at the beginning, really like, should I do it? Should I not do it? He, he gave me the book and said, you know, if this book doesn't work for you, then don't do it. <laughs> okay. A bit of motivation there for you. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it sounds like you're incredibly busy with everything going on, but I'm sure you must have some personal hobbies or personal passions and interests. What do you do on the evenings and weekends? Um, that's a very good question. I have three children, three boys. So I started being very passionate about football. <laughs> we watch matches together. Mm. I love playing tennis. Mm -hmm. So my deal is I come to your football, but you play tennis with me. Okay. <laughs> and do they like it? Yes, they yeah. actually like it. Okay. Um, and then um, I love architecture and design. So this is something I really like to research, read about. Um, and I'm so happy to see more and more innovative architecture here. Great um, design being, being you know, done in, in the UAE. So as soon as I can, I take the children and my husband and we go and visit these new places. These new buildings that are popping up everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What piece of advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Uh, have fun. 
have lots of fun and have, do as many things as possible. Experience, any kind of experience is a treasure for the future. Your, anything you're going to do and that I've done at 30 or 40 years old, I also had the opportunity to connect it to what I did at 20. I was, so I worked a lot, different things. I tried, I designed jewelry, I worked into an interior decoration shop, I worked into an architectural firm, um, I traveled a lot, different countries, backpacking, and trying to meet as many people as possible. Um, any, any experience was a treasure for me. And um, sometimes I realize that I meet people who didn't do it by choice, and somehow I feel they, they want to do it now. And it's then they are a bit um, in conflict because they... They have responsibilities they, somewhere yes, else. Yeah. Somehow at 20 you're so free and at 40, you know, it's more of a frustration that you would like to do it, but you need to find the time and the schedule. It's more difficult. Sure. So 20 is definitely the age where to do any experience, even if it's going to turn out bad, if it's going to be maybe something that didn't work out, but you're going to learn from it. And you're still young enough that you have plenty of time exactly. to live your life. So learn, 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 travel. I have friends who are 20, uh, just left the university and went to do internships in Singapore and came back after two, three years so much stronger, knowing exactly what they wanted to do, went back to university, finished super fast, and were very driven. So definitely experience. If you feel there's something wrong, just don't continue. Stop it, do something else. You can always go back, always. But nobody will give you the opportunity to do something strange, different, crazy than when you're 20. Mm. I think branching off of that, is there any career advice that you may have for young graduates, people who are just finished college and you know, launching out into the workforce? Anything you would recommend? Um, yes, there's something I always tell the students when I meet them in universities and when we talk about an, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur. Um, I think they need to first understand what it means to work as an employee, what it is to be part of a team, what it is to receive orders and, and to have a boss. It's fundamental to understand also the way you want to be if one day you're going to be a manager or you're going to have a team under you, their expectations. If you haven't experienced that, it's really hard. Um, we all want to be the next entrepreneur. The next leader. The yeah. next leader. We, we are not. You can be a leader even being, you know, working in a big and being an, a normal employee. You can be a leader in, even in that. And it's you don't have to be the superhero at 20, 25, 30. You can, there's always a time. But I think to go back to what I was saying of learning, I learned a lot working. Of course, you need to choose what you like and you need to have also mentorship from the people above you. But you can learn so much from them. So um, you're saying to have a foundation of employment experience or yes. working in a company where yes. you can learn from... From the organization, team, the team, yeah. listen to your team, their experience, their mm -hmm. struggles, and um, again, I would, it, it would enrich you into mm -hmm. becoming a better leader, maybe in the future, or a better entrepreneur, or maybe you will be able to actually find specific social issues that nobody at a certain level can realize. Mm -hmm. um, going back to social entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. yeah. 
not to expect immediately success. Success is not real. Uh, even if maybe you're going to make the next uh, startup, um, then you have to, you know, maintain the startup and grow it. And if you don't have the skills, then you have a great idea, but then someone will take your idea yeah. <laughs> and grow it because they have the skills. And it takes a lot of determination and grit, you know, just to keep powering through and to keep working. Exactly. So another thing would be to continue studying always mm -hmm. and doing specific courses and always being updated with mm -hmm. uh, what's related to your industry, but learn, learn, learn as much as possible. Okay, great. So, Tatiana, thank you so much thank for being you. with us. And uh, <laughs> do you want to direct our listeners to any of your websites or social media? Where do you prefer people contact you? The easiest is uh, the main website, which is uh, goombook.com. So, goombook is G-O-U-M-B-O-O-K.com. And when you reach the main page, then you can redirect to all the other dedicated websites, which are Sustainable Mina, Give a Gaff, Drop It, Drop It Youth. <laughs> Um, and again, for the social media, we are always Goombook, but then we also have the dedicated social media that are more specific. So Goombook is always talking about sustainability in general, but if you want something more specific and information about, for example, plastic pollution, you will go on the Drop It social media. Find the Drop It, yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, Tatiana, thank you again so much for being with us. Thank you. You know, you, for sharing so much wisdom about, you know, building a business, maintaining a team, just the growth and development that you've gone through. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's beautiful to share this with you. You can check out this episode's show notes on our website at streamsofprogress.com slash gumbuk. We'd love to connect with you. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram or reach out via our website. If you can please take a few minutes to give us an honest rating on iTunes, this really makes a huge difference and improves our ability to reach more people in Dubai and beyond. We hope you enjoy the show and look forward to seeing you next week on Streams of Progress. <laughs>